Welcome to this episode of Physicians Weekly Podcast. My name is Dr. Rachel Giles from Medicom Medical Publishers in collaboration with Physicians Weekly. This episode has two in-depth interviews with top-line specialists who just published studies we think are really interesting to our physician colleagues. Welcome to Physicians Weekly. Both interviews were conducted by Physicians Weekly's own senior editor, Marta Kelly. Later in this episode, she interviews Dr. Lee Ader from the Women's College Research Institute and the University of Toronto in Canada about biomarkers of cardiovascular disease in patients with psoriatic disease, which her research group just published in the Journal of Arthritis and Rheumatology. The researchers wondered if two biomarkers may reflect atherosclerosis burden independently of traditional cardiovascular risk factors in over 1,000 patients with psoriatic disease with a mean follow-up of over seven years. The first clinical cardiovascular event was the study's primary endpoint. Keep listening to find out the results. The Physicians Weekly Podcast provides thought leader insights on the latest medical news, clinical trial coverage, and advances in medicine and healthcare. But first, Physicians Weekly speaks with Dr. Heather Schickendance. Dr. Schickendance is a geriatrician affiliated with multiple hospitals, including UCLA Medical Center in Los Angeles. When researchers first discovered a link in the late 1990s between childhood adversity and chronic health problems later in life, the real revelation was how common these experiences were across all socioeconomic groups. Adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs as she calls them, are universal. But people with low income and educational attainment, people of color, and people who identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual have significantly higher chances of experiencing adversity in childhood. And it's estimated that about three out of five adults across the United States had at least one adverse experience in their childhood. And that could include a variety of adverse events, including divorce, a parent's death, physical or emotional abuse, or a family member's incarceration or substance abuse problem. A quarter of adults have at least three such experiences in their childhood, which, according to other research, increases their risk for the most common chronic diseases, including heart disease, cancer, depression, and substance abuse. Here we talk with Dr. Schickendance about her recently published research on the association between adverse childhood experiences and dementia in American older adults. Enjoy listening. Visit physiciansweekly.com forward slash podcast. Hello, I'm here with Dr. Heather Schickendance. Uh, she's chair of the Department of Family Medicine, at Harbor UCLA, co-chair of the LA County Health Agency Geriatrics Workshop, assistant clinical professor, UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine, Lomita Family Medicine Clinic in Harbor City, California. Welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here. She is going to talk today about a paper she wrote called The Association Between Adverse Childhood Experiences and Positive Dementia Screening in American Older Adults, which appeared in the Journal of General Internal Medicine. What makes this topic an important topic to study? What needs existed for your research? Well, we've all been hearing about how dementia is really a leading cause of morbidity and mortality. And with the aging population, we know that the incidence of dementia is increasing as well worldwide. So we felt that understanding risk factors associated with dementia are really important to advancing our ability to like 
prevent and diagnose and ultimately to try to treat dementia. So there have been um, extensive studies done around the science of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences and the effects of the toxic stress on the development of the brain and impact on chronic conditions across the life course. But very few studies have been done looking at ACEs and dementia relationship. So that is what we sought to explore. Can you briefly ex explain what you and your colleagues set out to determine with the study and how you went about doing your research, how the study was conducted? Sure. Well, as I said, we sought to examine the association between ACEs or ACE scores and a positive dementia screen. We looked at a nationally representative sample of older adults in the United States, and we controlled for sociodemographic factors, exploring the effects of specific ACEs as well as age, cardiovascular disease, and other behavioral risk factors. We used data from a U.S. national panel survey that spans four generations of American families and contains a host of health and demographic information. We specifically looked at the data from those participants age 65 and older who were administered the 88 dementia screening measure. We used a validated composite summative ACEs score measure, and this has been used to predict adult health outcomes and correspond to other prospectively collected early measures of childhood stress among the respondents who were PSID or our data survey participants as children. Our statistical analysis also explored mediation by chronic cardiovascular conditions, mental illness, and alcohol consumption. Uh, what findings from your study are important to stress to our physician readers, particularly pediatricians and those in the behavioral sciences? Well, we think that this study adds to the growing science of ACEs and demonstrates that like many chronic diseases linked to ACEs, the risk of dementia may also be affected by early life stress. Um, so we are expanding upon the current evidence linking the major drivers. And in our national study of U.S. older adults, a higher number of ACEs was associated with an increased probability of a positive screen for dementia. This was seen in a dose response fashion. So we saw that the more ACEs you have, the more likely you are to have a positive screen for dementia. And this association was the strongest in, old, in older adults, but adults primarily aged 65 to 74, and for those who had four or more ACEs. The ones who reported childhood experiences of emotional abuse, sexual abuse, exposure to intimate partner violence, or parental mental illness had the highest probability of a positive screen for dementia. What are the implications of your research? How would you like to see physicians, again, pediatricians and those in the behavioral sciences, incorporate your findings into their practices? Well, we think that childhood adversity and trauma should be considered risk factors for dementia, particularly among adults aged 65 to 75. And clinicians caring for adults should be aware of the potential impacts of ACEs on neurocognitive function. We also think that there could be changes in panel and patient management indicated in cases where there are children or younger folks with a high ACE score. And our question is really, where are the mental, behavioral, and social health interventions that can help to mitigate dementia risk? So an interest in clinical screening for ACEs and linking patients with ACEs and toxic stress to available resources may help to prevent or mitigate these um, long-term outcomes such as dementia. What would you like to see future research focus on in this area? What needs still exist? 
Well, future study is needed to explore those benefits, like I said, of screening for ACEs and doing risk-based cognitive assessment. And we did not examine protective factors such as uh, other things in the child's or early child experience that might be protective. Um, and we also didn't uh, in our data set have uh, frequency or severity of the ACE exposure. We also didn't look at whether the childhood adversity affects the midlife antecedents or later complications of dementia, like behavioral disturbances, mood disorders, and delirium. So there are a lot of areas that are ripe for future research. We did find that the oldest old adults, the ones who were 75 years and older, had um, less of that dose response relationship between the ACEs score and uh, association of positive dementia screen. It may be that they were less likely to reliably recall their childhood ACEs, but that's another area for research. Well, thank you again. Today I have Lihi Eder, MD, PhD, from Women's College Hospital in Toronto and Tamirti Faculty of Medicine, University of Toronto. She's co-written a paper called Association of Cardiac Biomarkers with Cardiovascular Outcomes in Patients with Psoriatic Arthritis and Psoriasis, a longitudinal cohort study, which appeared in Arthritis and Rheumatology. Welcome. Hi, Martha. Good to be here. Thank you. First question is, what makes the association of cardiac biomarkers with cardiovascular outcomes in patients with PSA and psoriasis an important topic to study? What needs existed for your research? To give a little bit of a background, the reason we performed this study is that there is a problem in patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. First, we know from previous studies that cardiovascular diseases, the risk is increased in this patient population. And available tools that are used to identify high-risk patients, such as the Framingham risk score, they tend to perform less well in this patient population, probably because some of the disease-specific risk factors are not included in the Framingham risk score. So um, what happens in, in reality is that many patients who are actually at high risk um, are not receiving the care that they should receive because they are not identified as, as a high-risk patients. So um, the goal of our study was to try and see whether cardiac biomarkers that are used in routine clinical care could help us better identify this high-risk population. Can you briefly explain what you and your colleagues set out to determine with the study and how you went about uh, doing so, how the study was conducted? So we performed a cohort study in the University of Toronto psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis cohort. So this cohort has been established in 1978 and patients are being followed prospectively according to standard protocols. And we also collect blood samples on these patients. So we used this cohort and blood samples from our biobank to measure levels of two cardiac biomarkers troponin I, which is a marker of ischemia, and anti-proBNP, which is a marker of volume overload. And we measured the levels of these biomarkers, and we 
connected or linked this cohort with provincial hospitalization records and we identified patients who were hospitalized for myocardial infarction, for stroke, and we assessed the association between the levels of these biomarkers and the risk of developing these cardiovascular events. What findings from your study are important to stress to our physician readers, particularly rheumatologists, dermatologists, and cardiologists? So um, our study identified that uh, these two cardiac biomarkers were, uh, were able to predict cardiovascular events in these patients. So and these were all asymptomatic patients who did not have a background of cardiovascular disease, which means that this process of atherosclerosis and a volume overload starts early on and even before patients develop symptoms. And it really highlights the fact that this cardiovascular morbidity is increased in this patient population. And we also looked at the, whether these cardiac biomarkers could help us risk stratify patients beyond Framingham risk score, and we did not find that these cardiac biomarkers were helpful in that regard, meaning that we do not recommend that these cardiac biomarkers will be performed in routine practice in asymptomatic patients. But certainly the study highlighted the fact that a large proportion of our patients or these patients have high cardiovascular risk and these cardiovascular risk factors should be identified and managed in in these patients. How would you like to see uh, physicians, again, particularly rheumatologists, dermatologists, and cardiologists incorporate your findings into their practices? So I think the main, as I mentioned, the, the main problem that it still exists in rheumatology and dermatology is the fact that many patients have untreated cardiovascular risk factors such as hypertension, diabetes, dyslipidemia. And, and I, I do hope that our study could help highlight this uh, situation and the fact that physicians should coordinate uh, care with specialists such as card cardiologists and uh, primary care physicians who are usually the ones that manage these cardiovascular risk factors. But certainly screening for these cardiovascular risk factors is something that rheumatologists and dermatologists can certainly do and uh, highlight the fact that cardiovascular risk is increased in this patient population, which is something that many primary care physicians and even cardiologists are not aware of. And finally, uh, what would you like to see future research focus on this area? What needs still exist? So uh, certainly there is uh, a lot more work to do. And one area of interest would be given the huge advances in dermatology and rheumatology with respect to targeted medications and for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, there is a need to better understand the effect of these biologic medications on the heart and whether they did reduce cardiovascular risk or if there are any potential safety considerations that we need to, to identify. This is something that I think would be very important to help physicians, rheumatologists and dermatologists risk stratify patients with respect to a cardiac health when considering these newer biologic medications. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking time out doing the interview today. Thank you, Marta, for having me. That's all the time we have for this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy. If you would like to suggest a topic for discussion or contribute to Physicians Weekly, please email pwpodcast at physiciansweekly.com.